Welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Becker's Healthcare in conjunction with Intuitive. Intuitive is a global technology leader in minimally invasive care and a pioneer of robotic-assisted surgery. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be here and joined by CEO Paul Kempinski. Paul Kempinski. Paul will pronounce his name better than I did. He is the CEO of Children's Mercy in Kansas City, one of the great children's hospitals in the country. Paul, take a second to introduce yourself, then I'll ask you a handful of questions about COVID-19, children's hospitals, and also sort of what you're particularly proud of with respect Children's Hospital. Take a moment to introduce yourself. Well, that's great. Well, first, Scott, thanks for the opportunity to uh, be on the podcast. Um, appreciate the opportunity. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the president and CEO at Children's Mercy. Um, this is a great organization, been around for 124 years, started by two sisters, not sisters out of the convent, but two um, blood sisters, Catherine and Alice Berry, one a physician, one a dentist, and it's got a venerable history that I'm proud to be a part of. Uh, I've only been here for a year and a half, so I'm relatively new to the Kansas City community. Um, prior to coming here, um, I spent about 15 years at Nemours Children's Health System, where I was most recently the president of the Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children, which is their flagship hospital in Wilmington, Delaware. Served on the executive team, traveled to Florida quite a bit for meetings, and prior to that, I was on the adult side of healthcare. Started my career at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, spent time in Pittsburgh, Rochester, New York, and then went to Philadelphia to enter the world of pediatrics. So um, it's been a great career for me, and um, I couldn't be happier to be at a great pediatric healthcare organization like Children's Mercy. Take 30 to 60 seconds and tell us what it was like to transfer into the world of pediatrics from general acute care hospitals. What, what, what was that transition like? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say first and foremost, the thing I learned quickly was that children's healthcare had advanced in the world of patient and family-centered care to a much farther degree than the adult world had to that um, point in time. So I really um, learned quickly the importance of engaging the family members in the child's care as true partners, not bystanders, not recipients of information, but actually engaging um, with them as decision makers about the care of that child. And then, of course, there are a number of clinical elements that are more customized to children's care. For example, when you order a medication, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It has to be dosed in accordance with the child's weight and certain other conditional elements. So there are some clinical nuances to it, but definitely the impact that the family has as a true partner in that care. And beyond that, the principles of leadership, I think, are the same across both the adult world and uh, the children's health world. So it's, uh, but that, that's a great question, and it was a transition, but I think I learned it pretty quickly. So, so take us for a moment through a couple of things that you're most proud of with respect to Children's Mercy, with, with the Children's Hospital that you're CEO of today? Yeah, well, for, first of all, Scott, um, we have an incredible workforce. You know, we are the fourth largest private employer in Kansas City. We employ about 8,600 people. And every day, you know, I, I gain my energy 
by being out there with the people doing the real work, meaning the ones caring for the kids and supporting that care for children and supporting families. So um, I'm amazed every day in compassion, the empathy and the excellence that our employees show every single day. I've been particularly um, enthusiastic about the younger members of our workforce, the young nurses that are at the bedside. I've been amazed at how insightful they are. They ask great questions. They really care about understanding how healthcare works. So the culture of the organization is one that reads with the heart and is very strong and I think is living out the legacy and the vision of Catherine and Alice Berry, as I mentioned earlier, every single day. So that's been just a pleasure to work with, um, with the people that I've had a chance to interact with. You mentioned something specifically and something that I've noticed. You have a new generation of nurses. It, it's fascinating for as long as I know, there's been different great generations of nurses coming abroad, aboard, sometimes from abroad, sometimes from communities here. And now it seems as though it's become such a magnet for magnificent young people. Um, Talk to us about that for a moment, because you had sort of highlighted that in your discussion of things you're proud of. I see so many magnificent young people becoming nurses um, and, and really bringing this level of compassion, intelligence, professionalism to it that, that really amazes me. Yeah, it's so true, Scott. You know, some of it is very practical. First of all, it's a great profession to go into. You know, there is... Um, generally speaking, even with the ebbs and flows of the economy, there are going to be jobs, and those jobs will be long-term. And there are a variety of ways to use the professional degree to turn off into other elements of nursing, becoming a nurse practitioner, a nurse anesthetist, so many other ways of advancing in the career. But what I will tell you is, it, and it, I think it sends a positive message for the future generation of uh, you know, these young adults as they continue to, to grow older, is they really care about the patients that they're serving. They interact so well with the families, they communicate well, and their ability to engage the family members directly in the child's care is well beyond what I would expect in terms of their years and age. Their years of maturity seem to um, overcome that. Um, I just think it's a fabulous profession. I happen to marry a pediatric nurse, so every single day I'm reminded of the fact that nurses are the more, most important people that we have in our hospitals. No disrespect to physicians or any other professionals in the environment, but they interact with the patients and the families more than anyone else. Great hospitals are defined by great nurses, and I see evidence of that every single day. Well, fantastic. Let me ask you another question, Paul, that's on everybody's mind. COVID-19 in children's hospitals, how is this impacting Mercy Children's and children's hospitals? What are you seeing? Well, you know, it's an interesting paradox, Scott. So, um, you know, thankfully, the number of children that have been confirmed with this virus is still very, very small across the globe, across the country, and specifically at Children's Mercy. So at Children's Mercy, for example, we've only had five confirmed cases of the virus, and four of those presented on an ambulatory basis. Only one was seen as an inpatient. All of those kids are doing well. 
So the numbers are small. Now, recently, you're hearing some anecdotal evidence of some relationship between COVID-19 and Kawasaki's disease, or some hospitals have reported increasing frequency of kids being admitted. But those are really anecdotal. The general theme is that there are a small number of children who are getting this virus thus far, and that's a good thing. However, as a children's hospital, we've had to take the same measures and precautions protect our patients, protect our workforce, comply with CDC guidelines. So we've had to shut down most elective surgeries, shut down most of our clinic visits, our admissions have declined. Um, so the result of those volume declines have put tremendous financial pressures on us at Children's Mercy and on most other children's hospitals across the country. You know, when you watch TV, you see places like New York City and some of the hotspots that are profiled um, on you know, television and uh, throughout social media. But the reality is, is that uh, the majority of the country is not being impacted the way some of those hotspots are. So in children's healthcare, we're feeling in incredible financial pressures, but not the volumes, not the surge that many of us predicted would occur and what we had been planning for up until just a few weeks ago. Fascinating. And take us through the next discussion. What does a new normal look like in either with the children's hospitals, with a, a COVID-19 era? What does a new normal look like the next six to 12 months in your perspective? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's one we're dialoguing on daily within our institution and across really the whole children's hospital environment. I think there are two definites that I see in the new normal. First of all, um, the reduction in clinic visits that we've had, to, um, we've had to make as a result of COVID has forced us to use what we are blessed to have at Children's Mercy, which is a robust telemedicine infrastructure. You know, we have been doing about five to 600 telemedicine visits per month in our organization. Now we're doing approximately seven to 800 per day. And what we've realized, we're now doing virtual visits across all 41 of our specialties. Our providers have become very comfortable using virtual technology. And even the resistors and the naysayers are now saying, you know what, this works. And we can begin to leverage the technology and the infrastructure in ways that still deliver safe and effective care. So I think part of the new normal for us is that we're going to see telehealth become a much more prominent part of the way we deliver pediatric specialty care, and we're going to continue to leverage that. And that has implications in many respects. It uh, impacts the amount of square footage that we require in our clinics, as an example. So we're exploring that. The use of technology in general, I think, is going to be a key enabler of that new normal. The other aspect, if you flip switch from our patients to our workforce, is that we currently have about 3,000 people a day that are working from home that used to be in office space or somewhere on our, on our campuses. And now we're learning that many of these people can work effectively from home. And now the, the opportunity for us is to figure out the policies, the practices, the parameters, and all those considerations that will enable that to occur with appropriate accountability, accountability for productivity, and ensuring that we're doing this in a way that is consistent, reliable, and not chaotic, and um, can be managed and sustained over time. Those are two elements of the new normal that I think will be important. And then, of course, as I mentioned, you know, the financial impact of this requires us 
to take some aggressive actions, which we have at Children's Mercy, to ensure short-term stability, but yet long-term sustainability and growth so we can execute our strategic plan. That's going to be a big part of the next six to 12 months for us. No, I, I bet. So just a lot more remote work, a lot of telehealth, and then also a lot of hardcore execution with, with all the challenges economically that have happened to hospitals throughout the country with, with COVID-19 as well. I, I, I want to thank you for joining us. Just uh, fantastic. We'd love to have you on again shortly. I'd love to keep this episode at 10, 12 minutes for ease of our listeners, though I could talk to you for hours, quite frankly. Uh, just a, a really clear thinker and leader, and we appreciate you spending time with us so much today, Paul. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it a lot, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much for listening today. This podcast was brought to you by Becker's Healthcare in conjunction with Intuitive. Intuitive is the global technology leader in minimally invasive care and a pioneer of robotic-assisted surgery.